0: Welcome to the podcast where we share stories of resilience, strength, and personal growth. We are dedicated to showcasing individuals who have overcome various traumas in their lives, whether they are physical, emotional, mental, or financial, and have emerged on the other side stronger, wiser, and living their best lives. We believe that their unique journey and the valuable lessons they have learned along the way greatly resonate with our audience. Their story has the potential to touch the hearts of many and serve as a beacon of hope for those who may be facing similar hardships. This is Butler's Babel. All right, and welcome back to another episode of Butler's Babel. We hope everybody's enjoying this beautiful summer weather we're getting here, especially here in the uh, Ontario region of Canada. And... Uh, Today we have an amazing show for you today. Uh, we have a, a special guest that I think you're going to love. Um, he was given to me um, his name by a friend of mine here locally and uh, she praised him a lot. I got to talk to him on the phone and we had such a great conversation. It was it was no, no doubt that we had to get him on this show. Um, some of you might know him, some might not, some might have seen some of the stuff that he's done. Let's uh, let you know who our guest is. Of of course, I'm sure you already saw. We have, of course, the amazing Corey Dixon in. Uh, He's a um, performer. He's an actor. He's uh a... a musician from what I see too on some of the stuff there and very much an influential uh, speaker these days in the uh, mental health and depression and anxiety issues, uh, which we will definitely get into later on in the show. But instead of me telling you who he is, why don't we bring him on and let him tell himself. So Corey, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: No, thank you. I'm glad. I I, I apologize, to everybody, that we're a week late. Uh, but uh, due to some uh, scheduling issues between Corey and I, we finally got things together. Corey's in the middle of moving and stuff like that, so uh, we had to go around his schedule. And that's more than I'm more than welcome to do that. So I, I appreciate you taking the time out. I know you're a busy guy.
1: No problem. Yeah, I I just try to keep uh, occupied. Obviously, that's a huge thing when it comes to, like um, you know coping with my mental health. I would say.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, uh, so why don't we go way back before we get into a lot of the other stuff? Why don't we find out who Corey is and let's go back to, tell us a little bit about little Corey, where you're born, your family life, things like that as a little child. Give us a little bit more background about Corey.
1: Yeah, sure. So I was born and raised in Mississauga, Ontario. Um, I was uh, raised by both my dad and my mom. Um, they eventually had a uh, a divorce, but nonetheless, I love both my parents. Um, I attended a school in uh, <laughs> in Mississauga as well, um, which we'll get into that a little bit later. But there was a little bit complex there with uh with when I went to high school. Um, but yeah, I was always I was thrown into the, the arts at a very young age. My parents kind of you know I was in a baby magazine at the age of like a baby. Um and then ever since age like five and up, um, I I was thrown into the theater, which I, I thanked them for because I ended up finding a huge passion within theater and the arts in, in itself. Um, so when people ask like, you know, do, do you like singing? Do you like do you like acting? Do you like it's kind of for me like the arts is just the arts, you know, performing arts or whatever. So for me, it's just kind of um, one big ball. So I I like to do it all and just keep. So you were
0: basically acting. performing before you were even in school, before you even started school.
1: Yeah, listen, my parents had me uh, as a baby in a in a magazine. I was like modeling. <laughs> so I mean,
0: <laughs> I know what that's like. Apparently, my mom tells me, or my brother tells my older brother tells me he my mom. Apparently, they put my brother in to uh, um, audition to be the Gerber baby because at that time they were looking for a new baby for the <laughs> for the jars of Gerbers and stuff. He never won, of course. But uh, of course, we might be a little bit further down the on the uh, the financial trail there a little bit. But uh, so five years old, you're thrown into the acting bug. I know myself growing up in like school and high. school, I was one of those kids that was very shy. You would never know it now. If anybody tells knows me will tell you that I'm not shy. But uh, back then, I mean, you you get me in front of a classroom of my peers to say a speech or to do a poem or something like that. Like we did, my mouth was like, like pasties and just dried up and just, I, I was nervous as that. But, but if you're going in by five, you were probably just a very social and very, um, I guess, outgoing personality right from the start.
1: Uh, definitely was, I would say I was probably more of an extrovert than, uh, back in the day than I am actually now. Like now okay. if people like say, Hey, like, you know, uh, you know, Corey, like, what would you consider yourself now? I'd like, I like to say probably more introverted now just because, like, you know, stuff that's going on in my, in, in which we'll get there. But, you know, stuff that's going on, both my mental health and stuff like that, I try to, um, you know, cope by taking, you know, long, relaxing, warm showers and stuff like that. So I, I, I like, I'm not a, a party guy as nearly as much as I used to be. I used to be probably way more fun back in the day than I am now. Now I'm just more about, like, you know, keeping busy with, like, work-related stuff and whatnot
0: okay so you go you're doing all that stuff and then finally you're four or five years old you're getting thrown into kindergarten and you're going grade one what was you like as a student when you first started school were you very rambunctious were you
1: yeah so in elementary school i did want to help it with kids with disabilities like that's just something that kind of you know it put me in that way so when i went was in school i was really focused on the arts my you know trying my best to get good grades, and then also helping out kids with disabilities, which I was actually really excluded for, so um like a lot of kids in especially at elementary school, um they didn't see me the same because I was kind of hanging around those kids and trying to help out those kids, which was very unfortunate, I thought but
0: no definitely and but it's kind of funny how with the direction you are now and as as we get through the show, people will see the direction you've gone and a lot of stuff, how a lot of it started right from the start, you're almost it basically was training you to go to that direction.
1: Uh, I, I definitely believe so. Yes.
0: Okay. And I, I'm, I'm one of those ones that I was total believer that, uh, things happen for a reason people are brought into your life for a reason all that kind of stuff so maybe that was the direction you were supposed to go in so you never know so um sure. as you're going through school were you a popular kid in elementary school were you one that was uh, <laughs> no.
1: no 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 not at all um i think because i was helping with those kids with disabilities and whatnot um uh i was kind of um, I like to say probably excluded a lot. So like a lot of people didn't want to surround themselves with me because they thought I was different and <laughs> and you know what maybe I was. You know, I mean like I, I every time there was a theatrical play being put on in the in elementary school I like I took that opportunity. I was like yes, I'm going to do it. So I was a choir kid. Okay so so you know i went through choir during elementary school i did every single elementary school play that that was brought up mm-hmm. um and then i obviously helped out with kids with disabilities so no i was not popular <laughs> okay
0: and i know where i went to school in uh i grew up in southern ontario too i was uh, i was growing up in brampton which is just also right beside mississauga between mississauga and toronto there and we had like uh junior public school, I guess they call it, which was like our elementary up to grade five. Then you had junior high or secondary school, which went six, seven, eight. And then you had high school. Were you, was your school one of those kind of things where you went to grade five and then you had to go to a new school and then from grade nine, go to another school?
1: No, not mine. So, um, I, my elementary school was from, uh, kindergarten all the way up to grade eight. Um, and then, and then into high school, obviously.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Okay. So, and that's how a lot of them are doing it here, too. So, uh, and I found sometimes that that makes it even more difficult if you're a type of person who's shy and not able to make friends easily. You're going to grade five. All of a sudden, you're going to go to another school. Yeah, some of your friends are going with you, but then you're getting kids from another school feeding into that, too. Now you got to make a whole bunch of new friends. So you said you were into choir a lot. I know myself. uh, I actually, uh, nobody would know it by now because my wife says when I sing, I make her ears bleed. But um, when I was in like six, seven, and eight, I was in the band. I was in choir. I was in all that kind of stuff too. And in high school, dr- music was half of my school. I was a drummer growing up. So um, oh, nice. music was my school. That was kind of a way for me, I think, to get out of my shell of being that shy person. And it was a way for me to express myself a little bit and be not so shy. I can get in front of that drum set and play in front of tons of people and it never bothered me. Is that, Do you find that was an outlet for you too, kind of, with the choir and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, definitely. It's funny because like, I was always um, you know, nervous about you know making friends because i already knew people didn't want to be my friend so a lot of the way i would kind of like you know get all that social energy out was exactly that like auditioning for you know the school's play or whatever and then and then just you know belting it out on stage or um you know our our elementary school did a lot of musicals so like it was a good thing that i was a choir kid because um you know that's it now my voice is obviously not nearly as as good as it used to be but um because i i obviously dropped singing and, and went the the acting route um yeah but uh like completely the acting route before i used to be both like acting and musical and then i was like and then when i hit high school that's when i was kind of slowly but surely gave up the singing stuff mm-hmm. um, and then strictly went to uh the, the acting stuff until last year which we'll get into that
0: <laughs> no, definitely. And I find a lot of them start that way too. Cause you look at a lot of actors out there now and they started in school in choir. A lot of them did musicals. Like you said, I know in my school, we had like Oklahoma and Greece and things and you would do the school plays and stuff. And a lot of people, but then when they get out of school, that's they tend to go one way or the other. They're either going to go more music or more into the acting and some only stay some, or they come back to it and do Broadway and stuff. But now yeah. getting into high school now, um, that was probably a whole different animal for you
1: yes <laughs> that was uh that was an interesting one for sure so i initially started off by getting accepted to the art school the high school that i wanted to go to um okay. and i i did take a few drama courses there and stuff like that and and that was honestly probably the best part about that high school um but my high school life was not pleasant um okay. so i ended up getting the high school era is basically when i was mainly dig, you know getting the tv role so like the the episode of degrassi and then and then the reality the scripted reality tv show i can say that now because my contract's no longer existent uh <laughs> scripted reality tv show you know stuff like that and it's just you would think that the kids would like be all over you'd be like oh Corey's on tv he's the cool kid now but the complete opposite um okay. it was just it was just an outlet for them to make fun of me and tease me about it but so, they try
0: like, and make it out like oh what he thinks he's too good for us type of a thing could have been
1: um I never really t- took the time to really talk to them to kind of understand mm-hmm. why they were uh bullying me and whatnot but it did turn into quite a lot of bullying but started off verbally started off verbally teasing and stuff like that um and then it turned physical and then funny enough uh, near like I think it was a grade like late grade 10 grade 11 I, ended, I actually ended up switching high schools to another local school um where the kids didn't really know who I was and I kind of tried to remain under the radar as much as possible, which was hard (laughs) because I'm still doing the acting stuff. Um, But there they didn't tease me or bully me as much and it was tolerable. But the art school I did initially go to, um, it got so bad with like the physical bullying that they like, I got beat up pretty bad. It got to the point where my dad actually had to physically drag me out of that high school.
0: And like, was there nothing schools wise that they were doing about it or was this all away from the, like nobody, There was nothing they could do.
1: (laughs) The school actually got me to try to stay because they didn't want the bad luck of me leaving Mm -hmm. their high school. So even though they knew the bullying was going on, they actually encouraged me and were trying to get me to stay, even though I, we were persistent on leaving that school.
0: So is this, I guess, part of your life where, like you said, up until like from grade four or five, you're out, you're doing acting in school. You're pretty rambunctious. You're very extrovert, as you would say, is this, transition, going to grade nine, grade 10, getting the bullying and ch- started your procession back into like an introvert more?
1: I, uh, Yes and no. Um, I Maybe a little bit. Yes. Um, but that wasn't definitely where that threw me back into whole introvert. I think the I think the maturing aspect outside of high school and what, what I went through after high school was actually what pushed me back into the introverted route. Um, but, um, yeah, I know. So one thing I did in high school that was not a healthy thing was I did lead to like alcohol and outside of high school parties, um, just to kind of get myself away from that depression feeling. So it kind of like covered up for that. But then after I stopped doing all that stuff and after, you know, um, I went through what I went through back in 2016, everything changed after that.
0: Okay. So in high school, um, you're going through all this. Was there anybody there at the school, um, peers wise, like friends and that, that were there to, that didn't know about it. Maybe you kept it to yourself or they just stayed away from it. Or were you just basically, you were just by yourself. There was nobody there to turn to. Um, cause uh, I guess, you gotta remember these yeah. are probably what in the nineties, I guess, or oh
1: no, no, or no early two no. thousands, I guess, um, sorry. No, no, no. Not even then. Uh, yeah, I would say two thousands. Um, okay. yeah, I'm a 94 baby. So I would have been in high school probably like, I think I graduated in 2013. Okay. I think so. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like if I got that math right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I would say that I definitely did have a couple of people that had my back and that were there for me, but mm-hmm. there was a fair chunk in high school that, that faked being my friend or, you know, or mm-hmm. were not my friend, the complete opposite. And, uh, did bully me and, uh, and definitely, uh, put me down any way they possibly could.
0: Mm -hmm. Cause I know back, I I'm a 72 baby, so I'm the old one here. And, uh, so I went through junior high and high school during the eighties. Um, and back then I'm sure there was lots of mental health like there is now, probably just as much, if not more back then, but it was more suppressed because it wasn't, um, you didn't speak about it. Everything was all hush, hush. That's one thing you don't, you speak about that. You're going to a hospital. You're going to this. Like there was always a stigma against it. Luckily in the last, say 10, 15 years, I would like to say things have turned around where, um, the, it is a lot easier to talk about it now and people are not making a stigma out of it back when it was happening to you. Um, was it still kind of stigma and that's why you kind of kept it to yourself or is it just an embarrassment
1: thing? No, I think there's still stigma with mental health, even to this state, even though more, more and more people talk about it, especially after COVID and everything, mm-hmm. it still exists. There's still stigma, um, especially within the entertainment industry, which I think is, you know, there's a few people out there that I know for a fact don't want to work with me because they know that I have depression and stuff, and they're worried if it's going to come up on set and stuff like that. So it's it still exists. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that I, I don't think people, you know, fully understand uh you know mental health and and depression um not saying that's everybody i'm just saying there is still a lot of people out there that um don't fully understand maybe they don't have someone in their life that's going through that stuff right now and maybe that's Mm -hmm. why
0: um, no, exactly. No, I, I totally agree with you. Cause uh, especially, like you said, during this uh, last two and a half, three years with the whole pandemic, <clears throat> I think a lot of mental health issues have come to the surface from people who you never even thought were having mental health issues. And um, we got uh, a mutual friend of ours, Kat Ward, watching us today. And she said, we're both babies still. So <laughs> I guess, cause she's, I guess she's a little older than us. and uh... <laughs> But yeah. Uh, but no, I, and I think you coming out in front of everybody and telling people about what you went through, because people always see uh, um, somebody who's on a TV show or they're in, like you were in Degrassi. I know it was just a, a little a bit part to me there's no little parts it's yeah. it's all a building stone to everything so you're on there I mean that's a big thing so you're on Degrassi you're on uh, uh, we'll get to some of the other stuff you're in because uh, you're I know there was a splat a lot that you did and there was a whole bunch of different things and you're also hosting your own stuff with Wonderland camps, so, so you're yeah. on TV you're in the public eye like that people think oh he's got it made I mean he's got no bad issues he's paying his bit like there's nothing they yeah, don't absolutely. see the behind the scenes and I think it's great somebody like you does come out and talk about this yeah. because it does happen and it wasn't all roses for you growing up
1: no and it's still not roses now and that's i think the most um interesting part is that you're very right when you say that you know people think that because i'm doing all this great stuff that i you know i'm set and i have all this money and like i'm like you know nothing nothing gets to my head they're completely wrong Mm -hmm. Um, i can't tell you how many times how many nights i'd sit there and would just want somebody to simply text me checking in saying like you know like you know, Hey Corey, how are you doing? That's Mm -hmm. all I really asked for. And, um, my phone doesn't go off as much as you think, you know, it's just like, it'd be nice to have someone to just check it on me. And I do have those people. Like I, I talk as if I don't, but I do have a couple of people. They know who they are, um, Mm -hmm. that actually do check on me. And I appreciate those people more than, you know, um, I know I have, you know, a fan following on Twitter and social media, and they always check in the entertainment posts I'm doing and they interact with the fun stuff that I'm doing. But I find like when I end up, you know, really coming out of my shell and, and wanting just someone to vent to whatever, they all just disperse,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know? And I think that's just something that I, 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 I don't, I don't get it. Maybe that's just cause like I'm kind of in my own world during that moment. And like, I'm depressed and I'm not feeling well. And you know, I just want someone to check in with me. Um, and, and the thing is like, okay, message to everybody out there, everybody in the team industry, I guarantee you at some point in their life, they're they're battling with mental health issues i have a lot of friends that work in the entertainment industry and a good chunk of them um do battle with mental health issues and i think there's this huge like you said this huge stigma where we're all supposed to act happy all the time and we look so happy in our videos and content creation and stuff like that you got it so wrong (laughs) we're we're, we're not we're not always happy um that's just the reality of dealing with our mental health issues um so yeah
0: No, and we all need somewhere that we can, like you said, vent out. And sometimes I think what it is, is it's not that people, they don't want to be there for us um, when we do vent out. It's just sometimes some people don't know how to react to it or don't know how to be there for somebody. And sometimes it just takes a matter of just standing, sitting there and just listening. You don't have to say a word. Just say, you know what, I'm here to listen and just let you get it out. And then just have some kind words to say back. You might not know the end. I don't think sometimes even if you, like you said. There's times where you're just depressed, you just want somebody to talk to and you're not really looking for answers, you're not really looking for them to tell you what to do. You just need somebody to be to be there and say, "You know what? It's going to be okay. You're going to get through it."
1: Exactly. Like like you know, I've heard it, you know, I've heard all sorts of advice like, "Oh, you should go talk to a therapist," which I've had several times. Um, you know, I, I have attended group therapy. I've done everything you could ever imagine in regards to the mental health world. And I, and I'm still doing that to this day. I do have a one-on-one therapist that I see, which I'm very fortunate to have that one-on-one therapist. But the reality is, is like, um, you know, it's right. Sometimes we don't need to hear, oh, you know, you need, you need to get a therapist. You should go, you know, talk to your psychiatrist. We don't need to hear that as people Mm -hmm. that are valuing mental health issues. We just want somebody that can be there and be like, oh, Hey, Corey, like, how are you doing today? How are you feeling? That's all I really want. I mean, you know.
0: No, definitely. (laughs) And, and I think, um, one thing I I was watching, uh, an episode, you were doing an interview with doing somebody else. And, um, actually I think it was one of your, the one I was telling you about before where you're doing your own bio type of thing. And one thing you brought up, I thought was very big is you remember I grew up in the seventies and eighties and the nineties. Um, you were more into the two thousands by then internet was coming out. And then around 2007, um, is when Facebook hits the market in that area. But before then you still had stuff like, um, uh, uh, MSN messenger, things like that. And they were doing oh, yeah. like, chat rooms <laughs> and things like that. And it brings on a whole new meaning to bullying and the yeah. cyber bullying comes in and people, I don't think take that as seriously as it really should be, because I know I have two daughters, one's 21 and one's going to be 15 this year. And I know myself, how detrimental that can be. And it's, I'm glad that I grew up in an era that we didn't have the internet and that we went outside and played. And if you got an issue with somebody at school, you would go on the playground, you might duke it out or something. And the next day, you're best friends again, I'm not saying, I'm not telling anybody to go fight anybody. Don't get me there. But, um, <laughs> but at the same time, we didn't have the cyber bullying and all this other stuff. And so, um, sure. were, were you maybe a little victim to that too, in a sense? Oh Yes.
1: Yes. Uh, I think before like it even turned to physical bullying within high school, they started targeting me specifically through social media outlets and stuff like that. Um, I still get attacked on social media, um, mm-hmm. you know, like um, not going into detail about it. But like even now, like because of everything that happened back in 2016, I'm getting a lot of hate from stuff like that when it was just an innocent accident, which we'll talk about that in a minute. But, mm-hmm. But you know, um, there's a lot of hate in relation to that. And I get I got I get bullied every single day of my life. If I don't see a comment like uh, somewhere on my Twitter or a response to an old article that the news station wrote up from you know something in relation to myself or whatever, um, you know, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's not surprising to me anymore. Mm-hmm. And as much as I see those comments and it hurts, um, I kind of try to sh- I try to just push it under the rug those comments yeah. and try to just move on. Um, I I like to take little social media breaks, which I've done recently um without even saying it i've taken like little you know i haven't been as active as on content creating as i probably should be right now but Mm -hmm. um you know we all need a little bit of a break no um but yeah like it's it's happening even now like i'm gonna be 20 in october and i still get bullied online so Mm -hmm. unfortunately it's a thing that that does happen today quite often and i don't understand why people have to be so harsh. It's great that you have your opinion. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, but if you're going to sit there and like degrade someone to the point, especially if you know they're already battling with stuff, that's just sickening. No,
0: exactly. And they don't understand that words can hurt just as much as physical, uh, physical, um, violence or anything. So, I mean, it hurts just as much. So, um, I'm glad that you do have some sort of a coping mechanism with that. Cause I'm sure you have, I'm sure you've learned through like your one-on-one therapies and that a lot of different coping methods that you can deal with, whether it be from, um, physical harassment, whether it be from online cyberbullying, or even just dealing with your anxieties themselves and, and your, um, um, just depressions and stuff like that. Now, like you said, um, you went through high school you're going through all this and then all of a sudden 2016 comes along and
1: uh you ha- yeah.
0: have something that nobody should have to go through
1: yeah so about that so it was really, really unexpected so see i used to love to go for drives with my friends i had my my you know my driver's license i was out there with my car you know i was i was 21 back in 2016 when this happened um, and I'd go out with my friends, you know, for like night drives or just scenic country drives and stuff like that. Um, and that is just what I love doing. I just felt like, you know, when I was depressed or when I, or, you know, when I was having my, you know, anxiety moments when I felt was feeling anxious, um, that's just, you know, some of the, you know, therapeutic sort of stuff that, um, that I would do is go for those type of drives. So, um, there was one night that my friend, uh, my friend myself and two of my friends we decided to go for a drive um and we ended up at this uh place that we saw off of TripAdvisor. um you know and it it was a public access place and you know we thought very innocent of it we didn't think that we were going to end up in any sort of trouble at all um long story short um won't say where but i ended up and not from scaling the cliff. I was actually on a staircase before it had. Ha- I actually fell off the cliff, but I ended up unfortunately falling off of a 50-foot cliff. Um, and this resulted in me being completely unconscious right away. Um, the poor first responders had a rope rescue. It was like a two-hour rope rescue. The poor firefighters and paramedics <laughs> and police. I can only imagine what they went through that night. Um, but I uh, was extremely lucky to be alive. I was put on life support um, for about two weeks, Um, On a ventilator, I had significant injuries, ruptured aorta, which most people don't even survive. Um, I had significant spinal cord injuries. I was hospitalized for well over a year, five surgeries later, um, lots of rehab. It was just, it was a life-changing experience, both physically and mentally. Um, And you were physically
0: completely paralyzed, correct?
1: Yeah. So for the first little while from the waist down, I could not feel my legs. And the spinal cord doctor was completely uncertain. I'm borderline like certain <laughs> that I was not going to be able to walk again so give me an idea so like from your spine you all have these like you know t7 all these like your t-level yeah. spine so for my like t-level all the way down to my ass was completely fractured my l1 uh was completely bursted into my canal all where my nerves were um and bone fragments just went shattering right into there so um there's X-ray photo, uh, like photos, up on my social media. If anybody wants to go see them, um, they're there. They're public. Um, but yeah, I am extremely lucky to be walking. Let alone extremely lucky to be alive.
0: Yeah, because I think I read on your thing there that the operations that, that they did to to get you to walk again, basically five of what a thousand people maybe actually come out uh, walking again.
1: Yeah, something like that. I was told like by several spinal cord doctors that I was I was very lucky to had been able to walk they and the uncertainty of me being able to walk was probably one of the most scariest things too um just know just knowing that that alone would have um completely destroyed my acting career for sure um yes there are actors in wheelchairs but it's not very often that you know someone in a wheelchair gets selected for an acting gig Mm -hmm. um i knew that 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 was going to destroy my career right there um and yeah it was a life-changing event nonetheless
0: no definitely so I'm sure when that's all done now, all of a sudden, like you said, you're acting, but even with your rehab you're, yeah, you're starting to walk again, but I'm sure there was still lots more rehab to go after that. Um, even though you're walking again, um, was there anything on the acting side that said that, um, no, we're not, I don't see him acting again. Or did they still reach out to you and say, you know what, when you're feeling better, let us know. Or did this just put you in such a big, deep depression that you just didn't know what was going to happen?
1: It was a lot of uncertainty. Um, There was uh, we weren't even going to share what I was going to do with the agency that I was with at the time, Um, and everyone that I was working with from an acting standpoint, entertainment standpoint basis, they were uh, they they were really um, they were really unsure what was going to be my you know my life after hospitalization and stuff like that, Um, and it was crushing like you know because like to have your life at the age of twenty one change like that it was. the worst feeling that uh, you know that's like both having physical issues like legitimately physically and I hate you know I hate separating physical from mental health because mental health especially with panic attacks they feel very real and they they do have really real physical symptoms true Um, but the reality is is like you know when I was battling in hospital for my life I was battling both physically and mentally at the same time and I would never wish what I went through on my worst enemy. There are people yeah. that I definitely dislike out there, but I wouldn't even worse wish any of that on them. Never.
0: Well, we're glad you got through it because look at you now. You're doing amazing. And Kat said, thankfully, you were unconscious for the majority of the fall. And what she was asking, she apologized for the caps there, but she's like, oh, yeah. were you unconscious during the rescue too?
1: So here's the funny thing. So me, like mentally, yes, I was out. Um, and I found out it was because of the brain injury that I had. I had a significant brain bleed that was going on inside my head as well as with every all all sorts of internal bleeding I was having. According to the first responders, that there's a photo on my social media somewhere as well in regards to this. But I actually went back to thank my first responders because I felt like that's the very least that I could do. I also went back and thanked the hospital and stuff and everything they did for me. Um, but I, when I was talking with the first responders, they said, you weren't all there, meaning so, like, I was repeating the same four sentences over and over, which is a clear okay. sign of a brain injury. So, technically, I was conscious, but not really. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't really there. So, the answer to that question is, um when I hit the ground, yes, I did black out, and I don't remember anything from the rescue.
0: <laughs> okay. So, no, and that's, that's yeah, no, I... I, I I don't know what you're going through, but I know the situation a little, like my wife's had two strokes in her life and one of them was a major stroke. She was in the hospital for many times. She's, they, uh, she almost died on the, in the hospital, like four times on them. And so I know the stress that it puts you under and the, the depression and anxiety. And, um, so it, it's definitely not easy. So to have you here and talking and coherent and everything like that, we had a guest on uh, a month ago and she had a major brain injury from her accident too. And she still suffers from that. So, um, now, did you, um, with all that, did you end up having any strokes while you were there or anything like that? Or So,
1: uh, there was a query. Um, it wasn't so much when I was in the trauma center. It's actually mm-hmm. when they moved me back home into my home hospital. They transferred okay. me by ambulance to my home hospital. And there was a situation where they were pretty sure I had a, a slight TIA, which is basically like a temporary stroke, uh, like a mini, a mini stroke. Um, mm-hmm. And they were pretty certain I had one. Um, but it was gone like that so quickly that they they honestly they they weren't able to catch it in time by the next day that they scheduled the MRI for they weren't able to see anything on the, like my brain was fine besides okay, the already existing damage from the the head injury no
0: definitely no that yeah. we're glad to see that so now you uh you get through that, well, you don't get through it, of course, but you're starting on. You're starting to re- get rehab now. You're starting to get yourself on the mend. Take us through some of the little process of trying to get you back to being the core you are now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I'm. I'm never going to be 150% ever again, and I kind of have accepted that ever since my trauma. I mean, like, I do have like metal plates in my left arm. I have rods in my in my spinal cord. I have um, an aortic stent. Um, so realistically, um, and I go for regular doctor checkups and see vascular surgeons and all sorts of stuff. So I know that there's going to be a time where I'm going to need like adjustment surgery, maybe on my spinal cord rods, maybe I'm going to need it for my aortic stent, who knows. Mm -hmm. Um, but I have been warned by the doctors that this health journey of mine is not over and Mm -hmm. that there's a good chance I'm going to need further surgeries and operations. So I'm just kind of accepting it at this point, but where I am right now, Mm -hmm. um, I'm finding I'm experiencing a lot more, um, like depression and mental health stuff just in the thought that I'm going to need that future surgery and that I'm going to need all that sort of stuff. It's, it's, it's scary to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I think death, at least for me, is like one of the biggest things I'm petrified of. Yep. I think a lot of people are, which which is funny because back in high school, I attempted suicide. So, um, so I mean, we're glad um, you
0: didn't uh, succeed, of course.
1: Yeah. No, that was, um, (laughs) Obviously, yeah, but, um, you know, but this whole, like, experience, like, going through these medical issues, battling with the mental health, it's been, it's been, it's been quite the, you know, uh, whirlwind of events, I guess you would say, yeah, definitely. Um, but what I, what I wanted to do, and especially because life is too short and, and whatnot, is I wanted to give back to my community, and I wanted to do that, um, in a way that, um, you know, I didn't really want to care about, um myself or my physical injuries and maybe that's a little risky but um, but I'm but I'm doing it um, which is basically doing a lot of EMR work so basically after I was rehabbed enough I got my CPRC standard first aid then I advanced to um, healthcare provider CPR which is pretty I'm not basic because some people don't find it basic but for me it was mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't enough and with all the knowledge that I got in hospital from listening to nurses, doctors, et cetera. I was like, I want to do something with this and help people out. So I got, went through what Canadian Red Cross, the great, um, got my first responder, which is basically like the level above HCP. It's the next level up. And then above that is obviously EMR, which most firefighters have. And even some uh, paramedics have it as well and stuff like that. Um, so now I'm doing a lot of volunteer work in like the, healthcare field. So okay. I'm doing a lot of like um, during all of COVID, I was volunteering at co- at uh, COVID clinics. Um, and also with my EMR, I've done stuff like event medical. And um, I'm also part of a community responder program with PL regional paramedic services. That's called the community responder program, which is basically, um, how can I put it? It's like kind of like a volunteer firefighter situation, but, okay. with, but with medics. So basically I have an app on my phone, and living in Peel region and stuff like that, if there is a critical call meaning a cardiac arrest within four kilometers of me, I will get paged to that call, and they actually provide you with a bag that has a defib and an AD, um, and a bag valve mask, um, stop the bleed gear, and stuff like that. And basically, I can arrive to the call prior, sometimes prior to paramedics, fire, and police. Okay. So basically, I can get there and start doing CPR on the individual. Definitely. Until tell someone and tell another, uh, ambulance shows up or something like that. No, so, that's awesome. Cause uh, every
0: second counts. And so you keep that stuff in your car.
1: Uh, yeah. Or in my, in, in the condo that I'm in, mm-hmm. um, and any page I get, I respond to and I go and, um, you know, and a lot of people have said, well, isn't that like hurting your back? Isn't that doing damage to like your physical stuff? And, um, most people call me crazy for this, but I hate the C word, but I'll say it once. Um, but, um, uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, I just, I don't care about myself in the moment that I'm helping that person. Yeah. The
0: adrenaline so, kicks in and you're not even thinking yeah, about it.
1: Yeah. Like I'm not thinking about how sore my back's going to be after, which it's extensively sore. Um, you know, I'm not thinking about. Um, yeah i just I, I put myself completely to the side and I just worry about that person and I worry yeah, about what I've learned and what I was taught and I put all that medical knowledge that i that I gained both in hospital being a patient and outside of the hospital from mm-hmm. the courses that I actually took um to being able to help that person and honestly i feel I feel like that uh, i I'm not going to say it was ever my my true calling because everybody knows like, the entertainment stuff was, but I would definitely say that I wanted to do something with my experience and what I went with, you know, what I went, everything I went through, you know, hmm. and I, I wanted to give back to the healthcare system and wanted to give back to people that are, are suffering through traumas, through, um, do, you know, cardiac arrest situations and stuff like that. Like I want to, I want to try my best to help those people. So hmm. I thought this would be a great outlet to do it. So, Definitely. so that's what I've done.
0: I don't think people realize what they can do and what they can accomplish until they're put into a situation like you were put into, uh, whether it be as an inpatient or now as an outpatient, helping other people. And when you're gone on a call like that, I'm sure the last thing on your mind is thinking about your physical wellness right now. You're thinking about how can I help this person? And they, I don't think people realize until you're there how much how powerful you can be and how strong you can be.
1: Exactly. Like you, you said it well, um, like, you know, seconds count when it comes to a cardiac arrest or anything critical like that. And, um, and that's just exactly it. When I'm responding to one of those calls, I don't really care about myself. Like I'll worry about my, you know, my health Mm -hmm. later. Um, Someone is currently dying you know or you know having an a- an active cardiac arrest and I need to be there to try to help them. And same with the event medical like I've done a lot of like volunteer stuff related to like big festivals and stuff like that and unfortunately a lot of the festivals we see overdoses. Um so you know giving that narcan, you know breathing for them with the bag valve mask, giving them CPR, that's all a part of that. So um usually I'm with like another responder so I know that you know if I get tired out which I will cuz you know I got weak bones. <laughs> for sure. You know, I mean that's questionable, actually. I got metal in my bones, but it still hurts like heck. Um, so, you know, I know that I can only do CPR for so long. So I know there's other responders coming. So that's why I feel safe enough to respond to stuff like mm-hmm. that because I know I'm not alone. I know there's other responders on the way. Yeah. Um, but um, nonetheless, yeah, no, I don't really think about myself. At all. It all goes out the window. I worry mm-hmm. about my depression and stuff after the fact. You know, some calls hit me really hard. Some calls don't. Um, and, yeah, you know, it, it, I just... I love giving back, and that's also why I do a lot of like mental health talks and deep mm-hmm. talks, and you know, realistic mental health talks. Definitely, um, because I want to get the word out, right?
0: Yeah. Well, why don't we go into that? So now, on top of that, that part of your your life right now, and uh, we'll get into the acting part in a second there too. But there's also that other part where you do you go and do speaking gigs and you talk to others. Now, are you doing schools? Are you doing? Um, youth halls, like, are you just talking in general or doing online things like this? You, you like to talk and help people get through mental health issues and, and show them different coping methods and how to do it. So how did you get into that? And where are some of these places that you are speaking?
1: Um, so my very first ever, like time I ever talked on stage was after high school, um, there was a friend of mine that encouraged me saying, listen, like you got a hell of a story to talk from like your bullying experiences and from what, you you know, from trying to c- commit suicide and stuff like that. You need to go, you know, talk on stage and do this. And um, this is obviously when I was doing a like heavy, heavy acting stuff. So I got an opportunity to go talk uh, at, at this, um, at Louise Russo. She's great. I love her. Louise Russo's wave event at the Living Arts Center. That was in front of like 2,000 students in Mississauga. And um, I was like, I'll do it. I was like, I, I, I don't know what I don't know what I'm gonna start off with. I've never done this before, but I'm gonna do it. Mm-hmm. So I went ahead and took the stage and, like, you know, I, I, I shared my story and, um, very deep, you know, I talked about the attempted suicide. I talked about everything, and that was the first time I actually, t- you know, shared about my mental health to a public mm-hmm. audience, to a gigantic audience, and that was, um, you know, that was, um. I don't know how to explain my feelings actually after that one because I got on stage and I was like, Holy crap. I made a fool out of myself. Like I, I stumbled over some words, you know, I was, I was stuttering a bit because you know um, I I wasn't really sure about, you know, I, I, I wasn't really sure about what I had just done. Like, did I do the right thing? Like, was, should I have gone that deep into the, into the attempted suicide thing? Like, I mean, I was like, like, did I traumatize these poor kids? Like they were mm-hmm. just in high school. Right. So, um, but no, I, uh, I kind of took it away and I was like, you know what? I told my story how it is. I told, I talked the exact reality of mental health. And um, I really hope that my story at least inspired some of them. And then ever since that event, I've been called back to do different, um, like different talks. I I spoke at youth day. I spoke, uh, I have spoke at a couple of schools. Um, I've done a lot virtually through COVID. So um, there was a big thing with like, um, you know, with mental health during COVID, obviously, everyone's locked into one place, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so um, during COVID, I even did some, um, you know, online through what we're like, kind of the like stuff we're doing now, Sure. but specifically about just talking about the mental health side of things. Um, and um, and
0: if I'm not mistaken, there was one that I saw you were talking about that was one of your favorite, and you thought it was one of the best platforms to talk was uh, when you had Michael Ansberg have you on his show, Isolation Nation.
1: Yeah. Like sick, not weak is awesome. I just, I think I I love that, that saying sick, not weak because the reality is, yeah, like, like we may be mentally sick with our, you know, with our mental illness and depression and stuff like that, but we are so far from weak. Um, and you know, there's so many people out there, not even just myself, but there's so many people out there that do have depression, like, or anxiety or, or personality disorders or bipolar and they can be in a they can like literally fall off the face of the earth for a little bit in terms of their mental health, and they could really hit rock bottom. But then they come back so hard, and mm-hmm. you know, and then they, you can't even tell that they're actually battling through that, right? So, yeah, um, I think you know, the sick not weak, like the not weak part, really mm-hmm. sticks, really sticks with me.
0: No, definitely, I I totally love that that sick not weak. I think that's an amazing way of saying it, and I think. You're talking about did you go too far or too deep when you were doing some of these speaking gigs with the students, and that to me, I know as a as a parent, to me, I think it was definitely you should have went that far because some of these yeah. kids they need to know that they're not the only ones thinking like this or they're not the only yeah. ones out there that do have these thoughts and feelings. So to have somebody like you come on there and say, "You know what?" when I was in high school, I thought that too. And, yeah. and then after that, I had this accident and I've went through all this stuff and look where I am now. I'm still here. I'm speaking about it. And, and I'm, I'm just, like you said, I'm not sick. I'm just, I'm not weak. I'm sick. And I'm going to get through this just like you guys will get through this. And they need somebody absolutely. out in the public eye to, to get that out there for them, I think, cause they'll, yeah. that's who they're going to listen to.
1: Oh, I mean, absolutely. And, and, the thing is like, unfortunately I've had, I'm not going to name the events obviously, but I, mm-hmm. I have had the odd event that has tried to censor me in terms of like what to say and what not to say. Sure. And in my mind, I was just like, listen, like if we're going to be real here with mental health, if, if you genuinely want my, you know, heart to heart story, then I don't know how I'm going to be able to come on and talk to you. And there are a couple of events that I've actually declined because of that. Cause they really wanted me to like isolate a lot of the stuff that I was going through and, mm-hmm. and not talk about that. And I'm like, but that's how I ended up like having such severe depression. That's, you know, like my attempted suicide, like that is something that is serious because there's a lot of kids, especially nowadays, that either have taken their own life or, or have attempted suicide. I'm like, why are we not? Why are we trying to censor this? And we're like, oh, it's going to be triggering to some people. But in my mind, I'm like, OK, but if we don't talk about it and we keep silent about it, then that's also not going to help. Mm-hmm. So, so there are a couple of events that like, I actually, unfortunately, did have the decline because of that. Um, and there were a couple of events that I actually did do that that were semi-censoring. So mm-hmm. I just don't uh, think we should censor mental health. I really No, don't.
0: I agree with you. Totally. It's got to be out there. And uh, Kat brings up a good thing. I think you kind of touched on it a little bit, but uh, she's wondering, Corey, where do you get your inspiration um, to do motivational speeches and discuss your experiences? Where does that motivation come from? Is it from inside? Is it from just your experiences alone? Or is it just a mixture of experiences of yours, but also things you've seen of others? Because I'm sure when you're doing these talks, you've done some shows, I'm sure, where you're not the only speaker. There's other ones that's went through stuff too, and you're probably learning from them also.
1: No, absolutely. I think um, sharing uh, stories with other people that have been through similar stuff or um, um, it is a very important thing. Uh, I have met some very amazing people doing speaking engagements. Cause you're right. Like it's obviously not just me talking at a lot of these events. So when I'm backstage, I'm always networking and trying to, um, and you know, if I hear somebody's story on stage, I'm like, okay, I have to go talk to them. Mm-hmm. I have to go talk to them. Yep. Um, and I do exactly that. And it's amazing what a lot of these people have been through. You know, I, I don't think like, sure. I've been through a lot of my life and I think that, um, yeah, I've been through the ringer, but I definitely don't think that like my story is the only inspirational story out there by any means. You know, like I think there's so many inspirational stories out there. Um, I just love being able to share my story because I love being able to help other people. I think Mm -hmm. that's what it is. Um, yeah, it's like slightly therapeutic to me when I share my story. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. Sometimes I'm like, I don't want to talk about that right now. (laughs) But then, but then at the same time, like, um, It is a little therapeutic to me, um, but I'm not really doing it for myself. I'm Mm -hmm. doing it to try to help other people.
0: Yes. No, I think that's awesome. And I I agree with you. There's times where you just don't want to talk about it. There's times where you just want to be you. You want to watch TV and eat popcorn. You want to go to the movies with your friends and just hang out. You don't want to be... Bombarded by people saying, Oh, hey, I had a question for you, or this and that. And I mean, I, I mean, you're the type of person that would do it anyways. You've sitting in a restaurant, somebody came up to you, I'm sure you wouldn't turn them away. I mean, no. you seem to me like the guy who would give the shirt off your back to somebody if you could, if you knew it was going to help them. And then we need more people like that. But um, I, I think these special events that you're going to, the way you're speaking to them and how you're speaking to them, and I think that's the most important thing. It's not just what you're saying, it's how you're saying it to them. You're coming across to them as Somebody that's not only been through that, um, but you also are coming with compassion and caring words because it's a difference between just getting up there and telling people, well, this is what this is, might be happening to you and this is how you should deal with it. But you're saying, you know what, here's a way that you could deal with it the way I yeah. did it. It might not work for you, but this is what happened to me. And you're coming more of as a compassionate friend. I don't know if that makes sense to you or.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I say. Like when I, when I do my talks and stuff, I'm like a lot of the stuff that I do probably won't work for you um, or may work for you. Um, You know, it's kind of up to you to kind of decide, but I always like to say healthy coping methods are always the best option. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I kind of relay this a little bit information about how back in high school, I tried to use alcohol to get away from my depression. Um, You don't want to do that. Trust me. No. (laughs) So you don't want to do that. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, you know, you're definitely not like wrong, um, about that. And that is something that I do say in a lot of my discussions about mental health is, you know, if I try definitely. to find your own healthy coping methods and see what works for you, see what doesn't, uh, for me, group therapy just doesn't work for me as well. Um, I do like the one-on-one therapy and venting mm-hmm. to someone one-on-one. I don't, um, the group therapy does work for a lot of people, but just doesn't work for me.
0: No, exactly. And that, and like you said, it's not for everybody. So, um, now um, let's try and get into more, uh, let's show people how, how much of a positive role can be played. Once you start putting some of these coping methods to, to place and not letting a lot of that stuff get to you and keep you down. Cause it's not a matter of, okay, I'm depressed or I've got anxiety and like just getting in that down place and trying to come out of it, but it's what you do with it afterwards. It's how you deal with, okay, I'm here. I'm, uh, I'm going to get myself out of this, but what am I going to do? afterwards so that i don't try and end up back here because uh, now you of course you take music you have uh, you have your uh, music things um and your acting why don't we go a little bit into some of the acting stuff that you've done some of the things you got coming out and if i'm not mistaken now this was probably two years ago but i think you said it was about a year ago it was supposed to come out you were doing a song with um uh, a gentleman from glass tiger there
1: yeah, so I actually did, so, um, that's what we were talking about earlier, so my voice is not nearly as good as what it used to be in elementary school, because I was actually a quiet kid, I actually re- rehearsed my voice, like, crazy, um, but I specifically was, like, on my phone one night, and this was, like, obviously after my trauma and everything, and um, I found, I was, I personally was getting a lot of, like, different vibes and feelings from music, and I was like, it'd be a great idea to try to put some of my, um, you know, mental health issues and my struggles into music. So I did exactly that. So I actually did two songs. Uh, I currently don't have any plans to do any more songs at the moment, just because it's a lot of money to get into studio. Mm-hmm. So I, I had some people that supported me to do those two songs. So that was great, but it's a lot of money to get into recording studios. So I, I don't have any plans at the moment to write any more music. Ah, Sorry, I lied. I do have one song. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I just remembered I do have one song that is written on my phone that I have not produced yet. Um, okay. But there are two that are out right now. One's called um, um, Beyond the Blue, which is a song that I wrote with um, with Michael Hansen, who was from Glass Tiger. And then uh, the other song that I wrote, I believe was called I'm going back to look at it at this very moment. It was yeah, Better This Way. So I wrote so it was kind of a collaboration right up between those two songs. I'm not going to take full credits for writing those songs by any means. Um, because Better This Way was written in a studio um, in the Hamilton area with my good friend Joshua Pascua and his buddy Schwa, um, who produced it. And um, what we did was the three of us was like, because I'm not a songwriter, so I collaborate with the, with the two of them. And I was like, listen, guys, I want to write a song about like you know mental health and stuff like that. I want to make it real. I want to make it deep. What are we going to do? I want it to be simplistic at the same time because, you know, I want maybe a radio station to pick it up just to be mm-hmm. like, hey, you know. Um, no luck there, but we did get it on social media. Um, <laughs> 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 it, but no, nonetheless, it was awesome. Um, yeah, but this way it was a little bit more darker, kind of darker vibe to the lyrics and stuff like that. We did that on purpose. And, but, and mm-hmm. Beyond the Blue was still a little bit darker, but at the same time talking about Beyond the Blue, in other words, trying to get yourself out of that depression state. Okay. And that and that was um, written with myself and Michael Hansen, who mm-hmm. was great. Um, so, yeah, so n- like really fortunate to be able to do those two songs, would love to do more. I do have one sitting on my song right now that I, I that I worked on, um, but I'm definitely more in the acting world <laughs> and like content creator world for sure.
0: Definitely. Are those songs available online if people want to go and listen to them?
1: Yeah, yeah. They're both on Spotify. Um, okay. Under my name, just search Corey Dixon on Spotify. I believe they're on Apple Music. I did it all through DistroKids, so they should be distributed like everywhere right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe they're also on YouTube, <laughs> I think. Okay. Um,
0: oh, I'll try and find it later. If I can find it on YouTube, I'll put the link on our page there, on our Facebook page, so people can go and check it out.
1: Yeah, Absolutely.
0: No, because I know I would love to listen to it. I just, uh, when I was doing my research for today, I, I noticed, I, I remember hearing that and I thought that was pretty cool because I, I was a Glass Tiger fan growing up. So, I mean, um, that, that, that really stood out to me. So, let, let's get into a bit of your acting. So, we already know that you you had that part in Degrassi. I think that was just, what, one episode or did you actually, were you a reoccurring role? or
1: It was just one episode. But okay. the cool part about that is um, what I, I tell people is I was on set all day. Like when I say I had a call time at like five in the morning and I didn't leave the set till probably like six, eight o'clock at night. Like it was a long <laughs> night. I can um, imagine. So the cool thing about that was like I went through like all of hair and wardrobe. I got to meet like, you know, all the lead cast members. Like it was really cool. Um, You know, I got my own dressing room for the day, which was awesome. Um, It was one of my first acting gigs. And I talk about it till this day just because of that. It was one of my first big acting gigs. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a great experience. Um, And I actually even got called back because of all the screaming I did in that scene. I got called back to have to go in and do um, audio dubs like on it. So I went back to a recording (laughs) studio and had to redo it in a recording studio. So, um, so yeah, that was really cool. Um, but nonetheless, it was just cool to see. That was my very first film, like 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 big big film set. Mm-hmm. So like going in there and just seeing like how they did all the production stuff and whatnot. I was like, holy cow! Like this is amazing. Yeah,
0: this see, I'm really stuff. old because I remember the original Degrassi Junior High yeah. TV show. And, uh, so that, that goes back to when I was in high school. So, um, and I know the, uh, the, the area, I think where that school was in the Mississauga area. So, uh, I thought it was cool. I saw the, I saw the episode where you're on the drum set there and it was a uh, pretty funny.
1: Oh yeah. So it was funny. Cause when we arrived to like the set, it like, there's a massive security gate, stuff like that. It was actually just outside of Toronto. So you get on the DVP, the original set was somewhere down the DVP there and like, mm-hmm. up like up the hill. So like um, so yeah, you got to set this this massive like security gate, and I was like, oh okay, this is like excessive. Um, and then we went, <laughs> and then like we walked in, had to check in with security, then went in, um, got escorted in uh, to the dressing room and stuff. And then I was basically like kind of like borderline free to roam at that point. They just don't mm-hmm. go downstairs because that's where all the set pieces are. Yeah. Um, and it's basically like this giant like warehouse that they made into the to like a two-level school. Yeah. Um actually sorry, the second level, it looks like a two-level school, but the second level was all the dressing rooms, hangout room, lunch room, break rooms, wardrobe, stuff like okay. that, makeup. The lower floor was actually where so you see the front glass doors of the Degrassi set, that's actually where they started building the sets. And on all okay. the lower floor there is where they built like the music room, the cafeteria. You would go to like through like the cafeteria next thing you know he'd be in the gym so like <laughs> the, so like the, the the uh the rooms were very much uh apart and it was like set after set after set after set
0: no that's awesome and then i remember seeing something about um splat a lot and it brought memories because i i remember seeing shows like that as a kid or even uh um Oh, there was that one that out of California with the Warriors, and you had to compete against them and do all these different events, and that—that's what it reminded oh, yeah. me of.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, so that opportunity came about. I was like, my agent was like, "Hey Corey, you get this interesting opportunity. They they sent out to like uh like you know act, genuine actors, and they were like, and they're like, do you want to do this?" And I read it, like I read the script, and I'm like, so. I'm basically going on the show and possibly getting hurt, and they were like, and <laughs> they were like, "Yes, yes, exactly that." Yeah. Um, so I did exactly that. Um, I went on the set of Splat a lot. Once again, such a cool set. Um, I hung out with all the other kids that day that were on that set as well um you know networking so at that point i was very extroverted so i was networking with all the other actors the, the kid actors that were there as well mm-hmm. um like with myself i was a kid at that time i think it was like i had to be I was, yeah i was only like 15 16 during sweat right. a lot um but yeah and it, we didn't really know what to expect because they were like listen throw on the wetsuit here's your life jacket best of luck and i was like <laughs> i was like what's about to happen and then yeah. Then they start you off like, hey, so when you get to the entry point through the doors, you're going to say just a random thing. I said the dumbest thing. I was like, I race go-karts, and I'm going to own this castle. <laughs> and then I just leap for the first barrel. Half my thing didn't even show because I kept wiping out. Like, I, I kept wiping out that much. Um, and then I went up this, like, super slippery – they they labeled it with, like, soap. And I okay. went up this super slippery, um, like, slide thing. And they shot me twice in the head with a baseball – like, a baseball. Oh, like, not a baseball, a tennis ball. Yeah. Like so like I, like one shot at my neck, I was like, okay, oh that kinda hurt. And then the next <laughs> shot right off the head, and then like the I was wearing a helmet, but it knocked me off my balance and I fell into water. So that was
0: So is this like a like um like a competition, like a game type of thing where exactly. you're going against yeah. other people and trying to get the fastest time or something or beat somebody. It reminds me of yeah. it's American Gladiators I was thinking of. I don't know if you ever saw the show American Gladiators.
1: It, it's basically it was a kid's version of Wipeout
0: okay exactly uh, so, and i yeah, love Wipeout. Right. Wipeout was awesome so
1: yeah but th- they say kids version but meanwhile it still hurt just as bad <laughs> i can <laughs> imagine <laughs> it still
0: so now going into adulthood um you're starting to get more serious roles and uh what are some of the stuff like uh you have that one that came out this year actually
1: uh so yeah so my most recent was a pilot project that's still in negotiations we can't talk too much about where it's heading sure um, but it's called the injustices it was super dark um it was uh, the director actually reached out to me. and was like, hey, like, 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 like here's the script. You want to do this? And I was like, okay, let's do it. And it was dark. Like my mm-hmm. character, by no means is like, like, they're he like border borderline. Like he he not borderline. He overly snapped. So basically, mm-hmm. like it's kind of like a Bates Motel kind of vibe. So um there was a Bates Motel series. I can't remember what it was exactly. Yeah, I remember it. Yeah, so like, there was a series they kind of made based on Bates Motel and it's very similar to that in a way because like, It was
0: actually called Bates Motel because the original movie was Psycho. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So they called they had a the, the series Bates Motel. Yeah. That's right. And it was filmed in Vancouver. Um and Basically, it's kind of the injustice is kind of similar to that in a way where my character goes through a lot of life struggles, mm-hmm. doesn't know how to handle them, and eventually actually like snaps, snaps, and like becomes a serial killer. Um, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but it's interesting because like he has friends where he doesn't kill them, and he kind of like messes with them and like kind of um makes makes like makes it seem like he is completely innocent, and you know mm-hmm. there's. I watched the out.
0: trailer and it is pretty dark. I mean, there's a, yeah. I think if you go to YouTube and you type in Corey Dixon, there is the trailer on there and it's yeah. about three minutes long. And I think two, the the <laughs> first two episodes are on there. I never got a chance to watch those, but I did see the uh, trailer and I'm like, my wife would probably like this because she's into horror movies. And I think that's another thing I remember reading about you or, or seeing about you on some of your stuff is I guess growing up, you were a big horror movie fanatic
1: a oh, 150%. So one of the acting gigs that I got, like a live acting gig I got was being an atmosphere performer at Halloween Haunt at Wonderland, which is not one of the maze actors. It's one of the actors that actually engage with the, the crowd as they walk around the okay, park. yeah, yeah. Um so I worked for them for about 5 years doing that. I've always loved horror movies and I said if I if I if someone asked me what my dream like, you know, movie to act on or dream director or producer to work with is, it's James Wan the creator of the insidious franchise and the Conjuring worked. He worked on mm-hmm. the conjuring and stuff like that. If I could work on a set with James Wan in a horror movie, that's it. Yeah. That's it. I'm, and I'm, and
0: I'm, see with me, I'm not the I, horror movie fan. I was when I was a kid, like I was into the back then, like as a kid, you're into the Friday 13th and the Halloween's and things. like that. As I've gotten older, I'm more into the psychological thriller type horrors. Ones that are more play with your mind a bit, not the gory stuff. My wife will do the oh, yeah. gory stuff. I'm not the well, gory stuff.
1: You'll like the Injustice, then, because there's a lot of psychological stuff with that one. And also, Kalex mm-hmm. um, who's the writer of it, uh, they made it very um, poetic, okay. in a way. Borderline poetic. So there's a lot of scenes where you might not understand it right off the bat. Mm-hmm. But then, after you watch it a bit, you'll put two and two together and be like, Ah, that makes sense. Ah. Like, I'm not going to spoil anything. No, but of it's course very, not. It's a very different type horror vibe but if you do like horror thrillers stuff like that i would definitely recommend checking it out the first two pilot episodes that um that are that are not within the negotiation plan um are actually which is obviously because those are the pilots so those, that, those are the ones we actually used to submit with um mm-hmm. and we did a whole um screening in a theater as well so we actually had a theater for those two episodes but if you would like to check them out they're on my youtube page for you exactly. for you to watch
0: go for it and and i'm looking at your thing like you've got a lot of stuff on here i mean people's got to go check you out like ytv uh uh was it the 2018 much music video awards i don't know what you did there but
1: uh oh well that was just more of a like an influencer thing which is really cool because i got to meet i got to bump shoulders with so many um iconic musicians and iconic Mm -hmm. just you know just iconic talents like I like you know I got to meet uh, Marshmello and his crew. I got to meet uh, you know Sean Mendez. There, there were some really awesome people at those that mm-hmm. award show that I never would have thought that I would have ever got to you know work you know either work with or meet or anything like that. So it was a privilege to be at that that event.
0: And is there anything coming up that? Uh that you're able to talk about other than the injustices, of course. And we can't talk about anything going on with that in the future right now. That's uh, we, uh, but is there any other kind of things on the fire? Any uh, things that people should be watching for Corey on?
1: I mean, definitely. So from the acting standpoint, unfortunately not, because, you know, yep. NDAs exist. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, in regards to um, content Speaking creation stuff, yep. lots, lots of content creation stuff coming um, your way very soon. Um, I do lots of stuff with, uh, like, influencer stuff based with Canada's Wonderland and other cool brands like that. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I do put on my YouTube page, so mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that either I self-create or work with another videographer to create Um, a lot of that stuff will go up on my YouTube or social media sites. So yes, a lot of content creation stuff are coming your way soon.
0: (laughs) Awesome. So we're coming to the end of it here. We've actually went a little bit over, but I knew that you and I, once we got talking, we could probably go two, three (laughs) hours if we had to, but uh, I I wanted to end on a positive note there. So one way I would like to end this uh, before we go is uh, I want to ask you one question and I just want you to just go by the top of your head. You know, you, you've probably been asked this many times, but I like to ask this because no matter how many times somebody has been asked this, it could have been asked 10 years ago, five years ago. And then today, a lot of times the answers change because uh, life changes. And so I'm going to ask you to end this with, um, give us an idea of who is Corey Dixon.
1: Oh, geez. See, I, I don't know. I don't know how to say this without like, cause I, I'm not trying to sound cocky, but I like nope. to think of myself as, you know, someone that, um, does care about other people. I, um, uh, I there's a lot of uh, selfless things that I've done. You know, kind of put myself to the side and really worried about other people first. Um, I, I, you know, have a huge passion for the entertainment industry as a whole. Uh, major respect for people that work in it. Um, I, and honestly, I, I don't know because like it's funny because a lot of people ask this question and I yeah. sit there and I'm like and I'm like, bro, it's like you know, I really don't take too much time to think about myself as often, you know, I I kind of do my thing with the passion, with the entertainment industry. I go out there and try to help other people. Um, I don't really take the time to sit down and actually say, Hey, you know, Corey is this, Corey is that Corey is this. So, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'd like to think of myself. It is a hard question
0: when you think about it. I mean, that's why I asked the question because it is hard for anybody to answer who you are. And, um, I I think, um, you are, I'm, I'm part of a local business group called BNI. It's actually a global business group called Business Networking International, and we have one um, main um, piece that we go by that encompasses all of what our business group is, and I think you kind of encompass that a bit on a personal level, and our whole model for BNI is giver's gain if I give business to this person, then they're going to want to give business back to me. And I think if you turn that around a little bit, you can put that on you also and say that uh, giver's gain works perfectly in your life because you're the type of person that if you give to somebody else, uh, it's going to come back to you in twofold. And even if all these speaking engagements that you're pouring your heart out to and all these, like the stuff we're doing today, my whole goal of putting this show together, not just with you, but all my episodes that I do is I'm hoping that we can at least help one person. And if I can even help one person, I think we've done our job. And I think you have totally, I think you've helped more than one person. You've helped many, 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 I know cats on there. She's a a mutual friend of ours. And she said, what a great episode. Very inspirational. Thank you, Corey. You're amazing. So um, I think a lot of people felt that. And, um, I, I want to appreciate, uh, I, I'm very appreciative that you were willing to open up a little bit here, a little, probably a little more than you usually do, because um, I think more most people try and sort of shy back. I, I try to ask some of the hard questions, and I hope that uh, you enjoyed your time on here. And I, I think you're going to help a lot of people. And uh, just to let everybody know, by all means, you can go to our YouTube channel and subscribe. It's not just on Facebook. Go to YouTube. You can watch this over and over and share this with your friends, because I think a lot of people can really learn from what Corey's talking about so i I I appreciate you coming on
1: (laughs) no thank you so much for having me and honestly um no matter the size of any platform that i've been on i always say i appreciate it um gratefully because um you know just being able to give a to be given a platform to be able to share my story on and to try to help somebody else means Mm -hmm. the absolute world to me so thank you so much sean for having me it means a lot
0: No, and I thank you for taking your time out. And if uh, anybody does have anything that they would like to talk to Corey about, I'm sure if you reach out to him, he's on social media. What are some of the places they can find you?
1: Okay. So my Twitter is Corey Dixon, C-O-R-E-Y Dixon, D-I-X-O-N 33. Uh, My Instagram is the same thing, Corey Dixon 33. My Facebook, so I have two. So I have my private like at his friend account and then I have my fan page. So you can message me on either one. I try my best to message people as soon as I can, but because I like, (laughs) it's so swamped with just like daily life things, I might not get back to you right away, but I promise you I'll try. Um, But yeah, so if you tweet to me or whatever, or put a comment up on my post on Instagram, I'll see it and comment back to you as well.
0: Awesome. And I'll try and share some of those links on my page so everybody can find you. And I'll even try and find those songs and we'll put them on there. And if there's anything you need, don't be afraid to reach out to us over here. And uh, again, I appreciate it. And I hope everybody enjoyed it. And uh, until next time, we've got some great guests coming up in the next couple episodes. I've already got our September show already booked, ready to go. And we've got our October show actually booked, ready to go. Um, If there's anybody out there uh, that is going through some rough times. You're not going to want to miss any of our shows. Go back, see some of the last ones, and watch Corey's again. Watch this one over and over and over. He's got so much (laughs) knowledge here. And go check him out. And uh, until next time, I hope everybody has a great day, a great week, and love everybody. And this show, we're trying to empower you. We're trying to motivate you and inspire you to be the best person that you can be. And until next time, remember, if anybody asks, say the butler did it.